Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is Monday, the 7th of February. I hope that you awakened this morning to the reality of God's presence, His goodness, His grace. I know that it doesn't always feel like it, but our feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. And so let me just remind you this morning, the truth is, God is. And because God is... There is light and there is goodness and there is joy and there is hope. So as we survey the headlines today, let me remind you that we do so here on Mornings with Carmen, seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day. We are um, seeking to talk with one another in such a way that we will be equipped to walk out into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. And so um, I'm going to lift up some headlines and then we're going to reflect together on how we as Christians might not only view those, but how we might bring in, you know, a positive interpretive key to those headlines um, in the conversations of the day. So Britain's Queen Elizabeth II um, reached a historic milestone. It's the Platinum Jubilee. She has used it to redefine the future of the monarchy, calling for the Duchess of Cornwall um, to be known as Queen Camilla, uh, but Queen Consort, when Prince Charles becomes king. So Prince Charles paid tribute to his mother on this most extraordinary of days, congratulating her as she marked her 70th year on the throne, expressing gratitude for the significant step to redefine royal titles. Uh, When Charles married Camilla in 2005, the couple announced that she intended to be known as Princess Consort, despite having the right to the title of Queen. And that was seen as a recognition of the sensitivities around the title um, destined for Charles's first wife, the most beloved Princess Diana. And so it's a really significant act um, in terms of the British monarchy and the world's view of things that Queen Elizabeth II would designate the Duchess of Cornwall to be known as Queen Camilla when, in fact, Prince Charles becomes king. Um, which will happen at the death of Queen Elizabeth, which she is obviously, uh, you know, in recognition is in view. So I want us to be mindful here in this in this conversation about, you know, royalty here upon the earth. I want us to be mindful of who we are and what it means to be the sons and the daughters of the King of Kings, what it means to be co-heirs of the kingdom of heaven, what it means that you and I um, are royal, 
members of a royal household. Do you walk in that dignity? Do you live in that reality? Do you abide in that truth? That you are a son or a daughter of the king? What might our day look like if we acknowledged we are crowned with glory and robed with righteousness? How might we stand or walk or talk differently today? Just some thoughts on just one headline of the day and maybe a Christian perspective upon it. Next up, Dave Buring is going to join us. We're going to talk about the ministry of availability and the things we need to say no to today or this week or this year. There are some things you know you need to say no to in order that you might be ready and available to do whatever it is that God presents with you to do today or this week or this year. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Lionshare. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Dave, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, I mean, other than just some little technology gremlin in my printer that prevented me from being able to print my notes this morning, I'm good. Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. Those things sometimes mm-hmm. uh, sneak up upon us, don't they? Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about the Ministry of Availability. It is the topic of one of your Lion Share podcasts, and it caught my attention. Talk with us about the Ministry of Availability. What does that mean? And then let's talk about the enemies of it. Yeah. So one of the things I think we don't realize is that we actually have this resource, all of us, called Availability. Uh, and so a good question to ask is, how do you spend your availability. Uh, sometimes we can get thrown into so many things in life, and then we wondered why we are, you know, worn down, done in, upset, all these kinds of things. And yet it's something that is a resource from your life to others that you have, I have. And when I think about this, I think of Jesus and his 12 disciples. You know, he, he taught the multitudes whenever he was put in front of groups of people, whether it was a dozen or, you know, 12 or 1,500, whatever the size of the multitude may have been, Jesus taught them. But at the very same time, during those three years of his ministry, he deeply invested in just 12 people. And because of that, God's kingdom is still alive and here and advancing. I I like what Dawson Trotman, who is the founder of the Navigators, and the Navigators are based out of Colorado Springs. And as far as I know, they're the longest-running disciple-making organization that we have uh, here in the United States. And Dawson Trotman said this, more time with less people equals greater kingdom impact. Let me say that again. More time with less people equals greater kingdom impact. So I like to look at availability as this. Uh, uh, Am I available to do the things that God invites me to partner with him in? And I think those are 
you know, those are some things that let us take a look at what we do with our time, our best efforts, all those things. It lets us look at it differently. Am I available to do the things God has invited me to do with him? That's a good, I think that's a good test of the commitments that I've made. Um, I think it's a good test of the things I'm invited or asked to do. Mm -hmm. Am I available to do the things God has invited me to do with him? There Mm -hmm. are some enemies to availability, um, and some of those might just include my own inclination to please people and, you know, say yes to things I shouldn't say yes to. What do you see as some of the enemies of availability? Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. It's it's there's a lot of those pieces that I, we talked about at one one of the shows um, well, several weeks ago, I think, about the pacing of Jesus and how Jesus actually mm-hmm. paced his life. And this this certainly ties into that. And what you just said is a part of that. So now, now again, there's a, there's just the time piece, right? So I think we all get that availability has to do with our donation or giving of time into someone's life or into a situation where we can serve and help. But so we know times there, but there's some things behind it. When I walk alongside people that I bump into, there's things in my own life that I bump into. So one of them has to do with not seeking God first. You know, Matthew six thirty three says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things, stuff we need will be added to you. And I think when we are not seeking God about what he would have us do, whether we want to use the big word of call us to or just the word of obeying God, but, but when we don't take the time to seek God, it's like our reference point is not there, and it, it causes us to be more scattered than focused. Uh, I, I think another thing is, is we don't really make decisions based on God's value system. In other words, what does God value? What, what's most important to him? And I think sometimes we, we don't reference our decisions based on God's value system. We just do it on our own. And, and a third one um, is, is we don't recognize the season of life that we are in. Because when you understand, like just think of seasons, uh, you know, as a kid that grew up in Minnesota, the seasons, were, the seasons were very clear. And, you know, when I knew it was going to be 40 below out with, you know, a, a wind chill that was making it 70 below, I knew it wasn't time to be out in my shorts and flip-flops. You know, the season dictated things. Just like I knew in the summer when I was on the boat, I needed maybe a little mosquito uh, spray when I got off the boat. and I needed some suntan lotion. You need the skis in the back of the boat. You know, it, it dictates certain things. So when you understand what season of life you're in, it dictates some things of yeses and nos. And when we don't understand what season we're in, the yeses and nos don't become as clear. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Are you seeking to understand what is happening around you and in you based on God's value of things, what's most important to him? And do you recognize what season of life you're in? Um, Are you allowing that season to dictate your answer to the question of whether or not you would um, participate in some option or available activity? And does that leave you available to say yes to God's best? We're going to continue this conversation with Dave Buring in just a moment.
Continuing our conversation now with Dave Buring from Lion Share. You can find the podcast we're talking about at lionshare.org. You're looking for the Ministry of Availability. Dave, um, we can't say yes to everything. And I think that's part of the challenge, right? We want to, you know, I'm, I want to extend the kingdom of God always and in all ways in every direction as far as possible. But I also recognize I am limited. God is not, but I am limited. And so when I say yes to something, I have prayerfully considered it. I have considered the other things to which I have already committed myself. I consider the things that I will of necessity have to say no to if I say yes to this. It will be limiting. Everything that I say yes to limits every other potential yes in the future. So talk with us about that reality. We cannot say yes to everything um, and still be focused on the really important things that Jesus has asked us to do. Mm -hmm. And I admire your pause Carmen, to pray and to consider that I, I think the the real core of this conversation is we we don't have this on our radar, and I think if we had this, um, so to speak, resource of availability that God has given you more on our radar, we would be able to see yeses and nos better. But but we just don't, and I think this is an important piece. And so again, if if one of the enemies is not seeking God, then one of the key ingredients is it begins with our availability to God. In other words, if I'm his and he's mine and I'm a disciple of Jesus, then my availability of time, resources, efforts, all that stuff, it belongs to him. And so it begins with spending time seeking him. One of the practical ways that my wife Cheryl and I do this is a couple times a year we get away for what we just call prayer retreats. And we, uh, I take my Mac with me because the week of I say, okay, honey, remind me of the things you think we need to be praying about. I'll put down what I need to be praying about. And then we carve out, it's usually two full days. We, we get away maybe anywhere from just half an hour away to an hour and a half away and stay in a hotel or a little cabin or something but where there's no other distractions. And we carve out about, oh, four or five hour and a half to two hour timeframes where we just take one topic. And whether, so my wife is a, is an artist and she paints. And so it might be that we'll take an hour and a half to two hours. We'll just say, Lord, what are you saying to us about Cheryl's painting this year? And we'll just get real quiet and literally for three, four, five minutes, just wait on the Lord listening. And then we look at each other and go, did the Lord put anything in your heart? And yes, he showed me this. And, well, he showed me this. Did you get anything on this part? No, I didn't. Let's go back to the Lord. And, and we do that with family. We do that with, you know, Lion's Share, our organization. We do that with my speaking travel so that we always can be referencing this year, what is the availability God is asking from us? So again, it, it clarifies our yeses, it defines our noes, it determines where we do and don't need to spend our time, it creates healthy boundaries, and you know, as it, it, it can often be said, not every need is ours to meet, but the ones God's asking us to meet, we can be available for those. Not everyone is ours to meet um, in terms of the needs around us. I think that is a particularly uh, challenging and sobering reality. Uh, I want to go back to the more time with less people equals greater mm -hmm. kingdom impact. Mm -hmm. That statement is very countercultural. Um, it reminds me that 
I often think more highly of myself than I ought to think, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, more mm-hmm. time with more people, right? That's mm-hmm. greater kingdom impact, Dave. I mean, mm-hmm. what, you know, what are you saying, Dave? That, um, <laughs> you know, and, um, and so I think that when we imagine that we are indispensable, when we imagine that there are little people and there are things that are insignificant, Neither of those things is true. I mean, in God's economy, there is no, there are no little people, and there are no little matters. There, there That's are no right. little things. They're, they're all, it all matters. Uh, and so, what you're talking about is very countercultural. More time with less people or with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I do think it's something that we're, we get sucked into. And, and when I have a chance to travel to other nations, it, it always reminds me how, you know, America is its own entity. It's, it's as one of my friends said, it's like, you know, cruise ship, you know, life compared to so many uh, in the rest of the world. And, and with that, we have subtly been, if I can use this phrase this way, discipled by the culture around us. The more I can have on my Facebook, you know, the more I can have on Instagram, the more I, I mean, all the difference and they're very subtle things. They're not purposeful set up to this or that. Although we do now have, you know, social media influencers and we do have people that become famous through uh, social media and, and television and all different kinds of things. And that is their goal. Their whole goal is to be famous. And, you know, that was never a goal of Jesus's. It was never an aim of his. God gave him favor where he called his availability. And I think that's one of the things that we need to realize is that much of this can be linked to our values, uh, what we value. And, and this is this is a challenging thing to me. And sometimes I have to reference this in my life and just pause and take a look. But what we what we really, really, truly value, we give the best of our time the best of our efforts, and the best of our resources. And uh, if you just stop and go, okay, where do I really, really honestly give my time? How much do I give to prayer or to being in the Word or fellowshipping with others or uh, being purposely about the kingdom? It reveals what you really, really value. Mm -hmm. So it's it's one of the things that, that God wants us to look at. And so a question I like to ask is, are your decisions more value based, meaning based on God's values? or emotional driven? Good question. Yeah, and in terms of the um, way I would answer that, the values question is going to is gonna always come back to, am I operating out of the values of the culture or even the values of mm-hmm. that I may have learned from my family or that I learned from those around me now in my particular, you know, smaller cultural context? Or do I really understand what the kingdom values are and am I really... Um, subordinating my mm-hmm. thoughts and desires and the ideas of the world around me to the values of the kingdom? Am I really, I mean, yeah, do I really get the Beatitudes? And do I really understand what Jesus is talking about um, when when he invites me to follow him today, yeah. you know, in yeah. reality? Yeah. So helpful. Dave, as always, what a blessing to get to spend time with you. You guys can connect with Dave Buring at lionshare.org. Uh, he has a, a great daily devotional um, that you can sign up for as well. If you want to find the notes on what we talked about today, you're looking at a podcast, looking for a podcast on the Ministry of Availability. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thanks. Have a great day. You too. We'll be right back. listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. We seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day so that you and I can be more fully equipped as disciples of Jesus, you know, walking our faith out into the world that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus. That's really like my hope, right? Not that you and I would just be Christians in the culture, but we would be the kinds of Christians who serve as points of light and through through whom people can see God and recognize his presence, his goodness, and his grace. So what are you dwelling on these days? Everybody's dwelling on something. What are you dwelling on? Just give that a moment's consideration. What's What has your mental time and attention? What are you dwelling on? In In all likelihood, in all likelihood, you are dwelling on something negative, something soul-sucking, something resource-depleting. Why is that? Well, because that's, for some reason, the way we have uh, rewired ourselves to dwell on the negative. So I have a person in my life who I love very, very much, who is dwelling uh, on the past and in the negative. She's also dwelling on the negative in the present. And so she's she's caught in what I would just describe as this horrible cycle of negativity. And so I, uh, I, I want to encourage and, uh, and help her move out of that and into abiding in Christ. What does it look like to really live into the invitation of Jesus in John chapter 15? So we're going to spend a little time considering what we're dwelling on and where we're called to abide in Christ. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Okay, let me just confess that sometimes um, my mind uh, grabs onto something that I hear in even the most brief of news reports. And so just having heard that the Prime Minister of Canada says it's not in the cards, you know, just in relationship to sending out the military uh, in response to the trucker and now the tractor convoy across Canada that has completely paralyzed the city of Ottawa. Um So when you hear someone say something like, it's not in the cards, as a Christian, your mind should immediately say, so such a gross, inappropriate uh, cultural reference. So to say something is not in the cards is actually a direct reference to uh, fortune telling and the reading of tarot cards. 
So when somebody says something's not in the cards, I mean, they're literally making a reference to fortune telling and tarot cards. So I just highlight that because I heard it in the news um, in just the last few minutes. And I thought, yeah, that gives me an opportunity to demonstrate what we do in terms of bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day. When you hear a cultural reference that is, I'm just wicked on the face of it. It's an opportunity for you to say to somebody, hey, do you actually know the origin of that phrase? Like, I mean, I'm really glad that it's not in the cards. I'm really glad that he's not calling out the military in response to this. But for him to suggest that he's using tarot cards, I know that's not what he's saying. I mean, I know that that's not what he's consciously saying because people just use these phrases so unconsciously. But you and I are going to have the mind of Christ, which means we're not going to unconsciously blather about anything. We are going to intentionally invite Christ to be the Lord of our mind and to develop the mind of Christ on the matters of the day. Um, And so that's how you do that. You hear something, you recognize it for what it is, in this case, fortune telling and tarot cards, and you say, wait just a moment. I am not conceding that my government or the government north of me is making decisions based on fortune-telling and tarot cards. Now, I, I know that's not what he personally meant by that, but that's because he doesn't even know what he's saying. You and I need to be the people who not only know what we're saying, we need to know what other people are saying as well. All right, back to the question of dwelling. What are you dwelling on? I told you uh, that I have this person in my life, she's dwelling on loss. She's dwelling on suffering. She's dwelling on all the reasons in her life she has to grieve. She's she's even dwelling on death in relationship to the death of others. And I know it's because she has her own death in view. I get that. I get that. How do I help her change her emphasis and her focus? How do I help her um, change what she's dwelling on? How do I help her give less attention, less energy, less emotion to dwelling on all of these negative things? How do I get her to turn from darkness to light, from death to life, from shadows to joy? Uh, and so in my in my time of prayer for her, God just brought forward this one passage of Scripture, and it's John chapter 15, and so I thought I would offer it up to all of us today. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean uh, because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, uh, it is he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and he withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
the joy of the Lord, my friends, the joy of the Lord um, is my strength. This is Carmen talking now because that concluded Jesus's comments on the matter. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Like, right, if you abide in Christ and Christ abides in you, if you abide in the word of God and the word of God abides in you, um, if you allow God to produce the fruit of righteousness in and through your life, if you dwell on those things, if you keep his commandments and abide in his love, um, your joy will be full and you will be full of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and that is what I want for this dear beloved person who is instead dwelling in sourness and darkness and stories of grief. And um, I want the joy of the Lord to be her strength. I want her to live in the joy of the Lord, in the light, not in the darkness. So what does it look like? What does it look like to abide in Christ, to dwell in him? Well, I think part of it is to dwell on him and to dwell on the word. I mean, if you want to dwell on the past, um, then dwell on the ways that God's goodness and grace and provision and power are revealed through history. Like if you're just a person that's just going to be like, well, I'm just going to dwell on the past. Well, that's fine. Dwell on the past evidences and revelation of the goodness and the glory, the grace, the provision, the power of God throughout all of revealed history. Dwell on these things. Dwell on creation. Dwell on the cross. Dwell on the kingdom. I like uh, these comments by Pastor J.C. Ryle. Uh, He puts it this way. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with him, to be always leaning on him, resting in him, pouring out our hearts to him, using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend, to have his words abiding in us, to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds, to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. Unpacking that, um, I see Pastor J.C. Ryle pointing out that to abide in Christ means this habit, this uh, rule of daily conduct and behavior. To abide in Christ means that I'm going to have a habit of close communion. It's going to be constant. It's going to be close. And it's going to be communion and I'm going to make a habit of it. That's a moment-by-moment, step-by-step, day-by-day, walking with the Spirit in Christ, abiding in Christ. Captured in all of this is our moment-by-moment yielding to the present power of the Holy Spirit within us that we would walk by faith, yoked to Christ, step-by-step, walk by faith that we would spend focused time with the Lord seeking his face, that we would engage in intentional, intentional acts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that we would have intentionality of engaging 
in those acts every single day. And I think ultimately you have to want it. I think you have to want it. In the words of Psalm 63, 1, 63, verse 1, um, we, hear, we hear David saying, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you earnestly hunger and thirst for God like that? With a thirsty soul? With fainting flesh? David's soul thirst for God. He was desperate for him. There is urgency in his tone. There is a deep desire. I mean, why would we be satisfied with darkness? When there is light. And why would we wallow or dwell in self-pity when there is spiritual power? And why would we focus on the negative when there is so much goodness and grace? I want you to hear Jesus' invitation anew today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So yes, there remains a yoke and there remains a burden. There remains a cross we bear every single day. But Jesus carries the weight of it. Yoked to him, abiding in him, dwelling in him, walking step by step with him, Not dwelling on the difficulties of the past or the griefs of or the griefs of the past or the difficulties of the present, but dwelling in Christ, abiding in Christ, yoked to Christ, producing good fruit in every season to the glory of God and the fellowship with the Savior by the power of the Spirit. What are you dwelling on? Where are you dwelling today? Do you want to dwell in Christ? Do you want to abide in Him? All you need do, all you need do is turn from the darkness in which you are dwelling and invite the light. Jesus is the light of the world, and in him there is no darkness at all. Do you earnestly desire that? I do. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. So I'm Carmen LeBurge. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. You can find us at MyFaithRadio.com. Lots of great resources available there. Today's podcast or today's show posted as a podcast is going to be available a little bit later. If you've heard something that you say to yourself, wow, I could I could really use to listen to that again, um, or there's somebody who really needs to hear that. Um, so you can do that from the Faith Radio app or at MyFaithRadio.com. You can share today's show uh, with them. Find lots of other great resources and stuff we've got going on as well. So sometimes you read an article um, that provokes you to read another article to better understand the first one and what it really said. And so that's what happened to me when I read 
uh, a recent opinion piece in the New York Times by David Brooks um, that, but, you know, it had the word evangelicals in the headline. So I'm going to read it because that's a that's clickbait for me. I want to understand how other people view evangelical Christians in the United States and how um, how we are not only perceived but misunderstood. And because I want to take back the conversation on that front. And so I read what David Brooks had to say. And in there, he talked a little bit about uh, being a conservative. And that made me raise my eyebrows because I don't think David Brooks is a conservative, which led me then to read an opinion piece by Albert Moeller responding to David Brooks. um, And, and he, his thoughts could be, I think, captured this way. Uh, David Brooks doesn't understand evangelicals and he doesn't understand conservatives. And, um, just because a person is politically conservative doesn't make them an evangelical, and not every evangelical is, I would say, a political conservative. And so pulling those threads apart um, is an interesting conversation topic and one that we should all think about and be able to articulate on our own terms as well. If you are, describe yourself as an evangelical Christian, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a person of the gospel, actively sharing the gospel? actively advancing the gospel always and in all ways. And if that's not what you mean by evangelical, what in the world do you mean? Because you're stealing my word. Okay. Um, in another uh, headline, sort of in the uh, the world is burning down around us category, the headline in Religion News reads, Francis Collins on COVID-19 politics, the culture war is literally killing people. That's the scare quote. The subhead is this. Many white evangelicals, said the former head of the National Institutes of Health, have been, quote, victimized by the misinformation and lies and conspiracies that are floating around, particularly on social media and some of it on cable news, end quote. So, um, first of all, I don't think either one of those assessments are wrong. I do think there have been people who have been misled by misinformation and lies and conspiracies floating around on social media and on cable news. I I don't deny that. Um, I also don't deny that um, the culture war is literally killing people. Um, But here's what I have to say about that. The culture war has literally been killing people all along. That's what it does. So the culture war death count in America just due to abortion is, I don't know, it's approaching 100 million. The culture war death count is high. The culture war has literally been killing people all along. It's not new. So add to those whose lives have been taken by abortion and or the women whose lives have been destroyed by having an abortion and add to that the walking dead whose minds are perverted by pornography or bodies ravaged by drugs or spirits crushed by childhood sexual trauma, minds filled with images of violence day and night. The culture war in America has been killing people for a very long time in a number of ways. The question is, what are we as Christians to say about it and to do about it. In terms of what we say about it, we speak truth. In terms of what we do about it, we shine light. We bear witness. We walk by faith. We extend grace. We bind up the brokenhearted. We set the captives free. We do what Jesus did because we are his ambassadors in the world today. 
hey, I got news for you. There is going to be a culture war and there will be culture wars until Christ comes again, because this is a competitive cultural environment. And the kingdom of God is a culture competing with all others, competing with the reality of the world. So there are going to be culture wars until Christ comes again. The culture war is not going to be won this side of his kingdom come. Now, that doesn't mean that we stop bearing public, a positive public witness or demonstrating kingdom values on earth as they are in heaven. No, we do that. We shine light. We bear witness. We walk by faith. We speak truth. We extend grace. We bind up the brokenhearted. We set the captives free. We do what Jesus did because we are his ambassadors in the world today. Yes, I'm repeating myself on purpose. Is the culture war literally killing people, as Francis Collins says? Yeah, it is. But that's not new. It's not even news. It didn't start with the misinformation of COVID deniers, and it won't end with anything less than the full reign of Christ. I, I say from time to time in acknowledgement that, like, in the meantime, times are mean. So you and I live in the meantime. We live in between the first and second coming of Christ, the inauguration of his kingdom, and then the fullness of uh, its expression here on earth as it is in heaven. These are the meantimes. And in the meantimes, there are culture wars. And culture wars have literally been killing people all along. If you've missed that then um, it's time to wake up to the reality that the darkness is dark. Yes, the light has shined. His name is Jesus. He is the light of the world. And he uh, penetrated and pierced the darkness with the light of life. But guess what? There are still lovers of darkness in the world today. And they are seeking to mask and cover up and deflect the light of Christ from reaching those who are captives of the culture. And so let us be vigilant. Let us be light. Let us be salt. Let us bear witness. Let us walk by faith. Let us speak truth. Let us extend grace. Let us be the Jesus people. Let's go be shiny today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. So one of the things that happens in the conversations in the culture is that the culture tries to convince us of things that are patently not true, tries to convince us to believe lies, to speak lies, to be purveyors of lies, to pass along lies to others that we've received from the culture. You and I are not going to do that. We're going to be the truth people. We're going to speak the truth even when it's challenging to do so. So at the University of Pennsylvania, there is a swimmer. That swimmer is biologically male. That swimmer is beating every biological female in the pool. Now, questions of fairness in sports are raised uh, in this conversation, but there's also this existentialist claim being made that everyone is entitled to live whatever they perceive to be the truth and to live so, quote, authentically. The question for us is whether or not we will participate in a lie, that we will repeat a lie 
as if it were true in order to support the delusion of an individual who perceives reality to be different than it really is. That's the question before us. I mean, yes, I recognize that it comes down to uh, just how uncomfortable these biological females are uh, changing in a locker room with a person who is biologically male but claims to be female. I, I get that. That's the surface level conversation we're having. The deeper conversation that we're having as a culture or that we should be having as a culture, that we must be having as a culture, is that we are being asked to lie, to participate in a lie, so that an individual's delusion might become a corporate delusion, a collective delusion, a shared lie in which everyone is asked to participate. That is um, not just a perversion of the truth, that's an act of suppression of it. And Romans chapters one and two have a lot to say about the act of suppression of the truth. Let me say this, speaking the truth, speaking the truth is going to become increasingly costly in the culture in which we live today. We have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. I am Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.